Welcome once again to the Irish NFL podcast, brought to you in association with Titan Roofing. Uh, as always, I'm Mark Cockrell, a fan of the never-do-well Patri- uh, New England Patriots, and I'm joined, as always, by my uh, good friend Brian O'Leary, a friend of the, the never-did-well New York Giants. Brian, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Mark. And always, as well, our good friend Gordon Bridgefield, a fan of the sparklingly perfect Steelers of Pittsburgh. Good afternoon, Gordo. Mark, it's always great to be on a on a perfect win streak, so I'm in great form today. Yeah, I think Brian and I are going to be less in great form than you, Gordo. But as always, another fun weekend for some fans of NFL action. Um, certainly a different weekend. While there maybe wasn't the same entertainment we've seen the last few weeks, uh, more shocks and surprises, uh, especially if you uh, had money on uh, any particular teams. <laughs> Not saying that I did. Um Brian, a couple of big results stood out, but um, certainly the Packers getting overturned was one that was a bit of a, a, a an unexpected surprise, shall we say? Yeah, I suppose it was the one everybody fancied in terms of selections for bets. And last man standing competition was the Packers. They've been on a very good winning streak, but at the same time, divisional game against a, a team that we expected to do really well this year in the Minnesota Vikings and. The Vikings do always tend to play them tough with the exception of that week one game over the last three or four years. The Vikings have always played reasonably well against the Packers. may not have won the game, but they certainly won the game this weekend. And you've got Dalvin Cook going off for four touchdowns. I mean, I can't recall the last time a, a, a running back score four, four touchdowns in one game, but I think the score kind of doesn't do the game just as like, the Packers came back late in the game. But it, the Vikings played really well and there was a, I think it was a lot more comfortable than score does it ju- gives it justice I, I think you're absolutely right i think they handled the game all throughout and have they found a new formula the formula being don't let kirk cousins throw the ball he only threw the ball 13 times for 160 yards dalvin cook was undoubtedly the man um and gordo if we can compare like i mean that was one surprise i think to me certainly the rams being overturned by the dolphins um, was another bit of a surprise this weekend. Certainly the way in which that was achieved was less predictable. We're talking about a field goal block return, fumble recovery return, pump block, uh, pump return, interception to the one-yard line. Tua didn't have to do much, but the Dolphins, you know, comfortably handled the Rams in the end. Yeah, I think this is one of those games where kind of Tua, it, it wasn't all on Tua. I think the, the talking point of this was how good the the Dolphins' defense was, uh, and I think that kind of came true. And, you know, Tua had a tough enough day, to be honest. Um, he, he had a couple of interceptions, uh, but it was also about how bad Goff was, to be honest. Goff just didn't really perform in this game. Um, and, yeah, look, Tua time is there. It's happened. I don't think it was, you know, we weren't expecting him to have a blowout performance, but I think he was lucky. His defense kind of stood up today and uh, pretty much won them the game, I think. Yeah, actually, just, just on that, Gordon, I think you're right. Um, he's fortunate in a way that he didn't have the game on his shoulders because even judging from the little play that he had, and you have to be fair to the guy, he's the worst ever game in the NFL against a really good defence, nine times out of ten. The Rams' defence will give you a very difficult day. But he didn't didn't do a lot. He didn't stand out in many ways in terms of even the, the drives in which he was on the field. There was a lot of punts. and Yeah, that, that game was certainly there for the Rams with the exception of that five minutes of madness. Yeah. As, you've, as you've alluded to, Mark. Three touchdowns in five minutes is going to help you when they're all coming really pretty much from your special teams and defense. Where You only have to read Ladybird versions, books, when you're talking to infants, and that's what he had ahead of him. 
Um, the one actually thing that I overlook until 6.01, actually, 6.01 this weekend, I can't even suddenly realize, hang on a second, this is Brian Flores against Sean McVay again. And the last time they matched up was the Super Bowl, of course, in terms of offense versus defensive coordinator, um, where the Rams were held to three points. So he certainly seems to have McVay and Jared Goff's number. But outside of the shocks, there was only a game of the week that we were all looking forward to. Gordo, it's over to your team and the big clash in the AFC North. The previously perfect Steelers were going up against the one-loss uh, Baltimore Ravens. And, you know, the Steelers stayed clean, but it was a, a, well, it was a good old-fashioned AFC North tussle, even if it wasn't as ground and pounded as it might have been in years gone by. Yeah, I think this is one of those sort of games where a lot of things kind of came into play. The weather, it was one of those kind of dirty games, wet ball, etc. But I think the talking point of this is the Steelers and their defense. Um, you know, it is what's going to win championships. It's been said numerous times over the years. I think that's evident at the moment. That's what is bringing the Steelers through at the moment is that they have a really, really strong defense. Um, you know, Ben Roethlisberger is performing okay, but in terms of offensive wide receivers even this time there's nobody over kind of 60 yards there's a lot of short passing there's a little bit of concern with Ben and kind of his deep ball ability and is he back to the old Ben as of yet but to be honest if you have a defense and if Pittsburgh's defense performs the way it's been performing and continues to we only need to improve a little bit on offense each week uh, as we progress into the latter part of the season I think the real concerning part for the Ravens is one injuries Ronnie Staley, their left tackle, um, it looks like it's been confirmed as a broken ankle, um, which puts him out for the rest of the year. Luckily, he signed his massive new contract there last week, so he got his money, his money due. Uh, but also Lamar Jackson, um, there's kind of concerns that is he, is he kind of um, regressing a little bit this season? He had four fumbles or three fumbles, I think, in this game. Uh, he's just not holding onto the ball. It seems to me now that his first option is and wants to be to run. That's what he wants to do every single time, as opposed to go through his read options and progressions. And yeah, I don't know, just it was an interesting one for Lamar Jackson. He, he can't carry the team on his shoulders every game, but it does feel like he's just not performing to a high level. But look, it was a close game. It was really enjoyable to watch. It was old school football. Uh, and yeah, as we say, we're still on a perfect season, so I can't complain too much. I think uh, with Jackson, yeah, the inconsistencies there, like four turnovers in it big divisional game at this stage of the season when both teams are kind of pushing for the the number one seed, you know, to be turning the, turn the game, turning the ball over four times. You don't tend to come out on the right side of a result. But to your point, yeah, he, he seems to be very keen to run. In fairness to him, he has the attributes to run on most plays, but at the same time, you got to do the quarterback team first and foremost and try to find receivers. But, you know, there was times in the replays where the receivers were open and he was still taking the run option. Think the Steelers were kind of catching on to what he was trying to do all the time. Yeah, and I look from my perspective, it certainly felt like this was a game where the Steelers had in hand. Of course, it was to and fro. Of course, there were times the Baltimore took the lead, but it just had that feel to me. I know it sounds very ephemeral, but this feel that the Steelers had enough and would pull out sufficient plays in the end. Like um, they seemed. Uh, and as I called it before, they've at least got more of a multifaceted offense. Whereas when Lamar was in obvious passing situations, you certainly didn't feel comfortable he would get the conversion, sustain the drive, etc. And the Chiefs made him very one-dimensional in their game before. He did still throw for a couple of touchdowns at a couple hundred yards, but it was um, not easily earned. And they certainly turned him and the Ravens quite 
um, one dimensional and tackled well on their very powerful running game. So I think uh, I think one interesting point on it is the the wide receivers like Juju Smith Schuster this season. He's kind of turned into more of an inside slot kind of wide receiver. If you look at the game, there's a lot of this really short downage yards for um, for um, for receiving with with uh, Juju, and then with Chase Claypool. Obviously, we know what he can do game in game out. But it's interesting. Big Ben likes that small inside yardage pass to get those first downs, and they work really well. It's that longer. It's the it's the long passes that are kind of the deep balls that uh, are a little bit concerning at the moment. But it's interesting. Yeah, they seem to be changing the way they play at the moment to to suit the game. Good stuff. Well, look, Gordon, you alluded to the weather there in um, uh, the, the Steelers-Ravens game, and certainly there was uh, gusty conditions for a few particular games. Nothing got as bad as the the, the Browns-Raiders games. Uh, you know, Raiders won at 16-6, but, I mean, that was almost like uh, a comedy time in terms of some of the kicks and everything. You know, uh, yes, you could look at this and say the, the Browns, again, didn't cross 10 points, which they didn't in their losses to the Steelers and the Ravens as well. But I think you'd be harsh on them and indeed harsh on the Raiders comparing the conditions they were working with in that particular situation. I think it felt it felt like a bad day on the tee box for some of those kickers uh, with uh, some of the slices that they were having just due to the wind. It was I felt for them. I really did feel for them. That's not a bad day on the tee box. That's a normal day on the tee box. I think the killer, killer moment in that game was the Ajoko touchdown that was brought back because that would have Potentially put the uh, the Browns in the lead, and you know you would have probably hoped that their defense would step up in a, in a low-scoring game at that stage. The Raiders weren't really moving the ball that well either, so but it, it was chalked off, and they, they had to take the three points, and that was the opportunity that got away from. Them. Yeah, had that had that field in it of a game that one touchdown would make all the difference. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, I approved. Um, there was also another storm of a different type in the Colts-Lions game. The, the, the Lions still actually the only team to have scored first in every game that they've played this season, then get blown away by the storm of old man Rivers raging against the fire and the burning of the light. Um, basically, he's only playing in the second quarter and the fourth quarter now with 20 points plus points in both of those quarters and zip in the first and third. More than enough to blow away the Lions. Um, and the Colts looked, to me... It's against the Lions, and I still believe Matt Patricia is getting fired before the end of the season anyway. Um, but they looked quite impressive. That's back-to-back games now where they've been quite consistent and coherent, and Rivers isn't dead yet. Yeah, the last few weeks, he's certainly turned things around, and he got to stop giving out about Philip Rivers this season because he's starting to put performances in. But like he was helped on Sunday, uh, Naeem Hines, the running back, who's quite a very underrated and you know, he was there in the background last year, but Matt got injured. He's he ran in a couple of touchdowns on Sunday, but offensively, they seem to be clicking. You know, they put up some good numbers against a reasonably good Bengals defense this year, and then same on Sunday against the Lions, but in fairness, the Lions defense isn't great. But at the same time, you know, they're 5-2 and two in a division, you know, which, as you said, is the start of the season. We all said that it's so open, and the Titans have, the Titans have progressed a little. They've come back. Yeah. And uh, we've lost Gordon. So it's we'll continue with just the two of us. Fair enough, Brian. Well, look, I mean, if we continue on, because the one thing that was missing this week, certainly in the six o'clock games, was the fast and frantic finishes. We'll get to the... We'll talk briefly about the Pats game in due course, which looked like it was going to be interesting, but didn't prove to be. But then we got to the 9, 9.05, 9.25 games. And, you know, hey, we got some excitement going on. Saints and Bears going to overtime, but... 
Um, probably more interestingly was the uh, the massive comeback from your baby boy, Drew Locke. Um, 24, uh, 24 six down, sorry, wasn't he? Or 24 nine down? Um, it, it... 24 seven down with six minutes to go in the tour quarter. That's it. And, and uh, there's very little to talk about. The charges were completely dominant. And I was thinking to myself, I've got to pick the Broncos here. But in fairness, Philip Lindsay goes off and one for 55 yard touchdown. And all of a sudden, you've got a bit of a sneak. The charges then are held up a couple of times. There's a few field goals back and forth. Then Drew Locke takes over the game with a, a great touchdown to Hamilton. Charges again had their opportunity to put the game away, set up for a field goal. And you give Locke. See, this is the thing with Drew Locke. People are, are underestimating him, but you get to guide the ball with two minutes to go. And he drives down and literally the last play of the game, <laughs> the final play of the game, he wins the he wins the game. They they kick the they kick the extra point, 21 30. It's a big win for the Broncos because you know we've been speaking to a few Broncos fans lately on a separate show, and they've they've called out that this weekend was very much one of those games. It's take it or leave a time. You know, if we don't win this game, we might see players traded away for the deadline to see them at nine o'clock. But now they're three and four. And you know. They're well aiming an opportunity potentially of a work hard. Well, at least if they continue to play the way they did in the second half. Yeah, I mean, like, look, a 21-point fourth quarter, amazing comeback for Drew Lock, and that's what you want to see because they haven't seen probably enough from Drew Lock in the last while. So um, great that he turned up and got a great win for them. I'm just a little bit cynical about it all, Brian, because a we have to remember it's against the Chargers, and the Chargers now have the unwanted distinction of being the first club. A first team in NFL history to blow 16 plus points leads four weeks in a row. Like they're putting up the points early and then they're not holding on. I mean, we could rename them the Atlanta Falcons, but um, you know that seems that seems somewhat mean. But like you talk about your Giants finding ways to lose, the Chargers have been doing that for a number of years. And this year, I have a lot of respect. I think Anthony is a great head coach. Actually, I think he's done great things for the program, but they just cannot close out the games um rookie quarterback and everything but i mean it could be very different season for them if they just held on to a couple of them separate separate conversation to the game but do you think there's a situation that lynn won't be there next year i think it's a possibility i'd like to think ownership will have more patience i mean that's always a risk to assume that um but spanos they've made the big move to la they still need to establish their their base there they have their superstar quarterback for the next few years I would like to think if I was in that shoe, his shoes, I would be patient and I would definitely give him another year or two because I think he's done a lot of good things. But at some stage, it feels like Groundhog Day if you're a Chargers fan. I know there's only three Chargers fans, but if you're one of those three, you feel, hey, how many times can we go through this? How many times can we find different ways to throw away games that we should win? Um, when, you, when you compare it to the joint situation, again, last night, very good performance all around. You know, the books are one of the teams that are standing out to go ten yep. potential to the sit ball. And we're a two-point conversion away from going to overtime. So I think from every Giants fan's point of view, we certainly feel Judge is the right man for the job. He's proved it now. Like the books were eleven point favourites last night. Giants gave them a game, potentially could have won the game. Teams had it went a certain way. So, you know, it's comparable, but I feel we've got the right coach. I'm not sure whether the Chargers have the right coach in the land. Yeah. And they're going to have to examine that. And the, the one thing I will say, though, and I'm going to upset some Broncos fans when I say this, unfortunately, in many ways, I think it's a bit of a pointless victory because I think it's going to be like we're going to remember the Dallas Cowboys come back against the Atlanta Falcons. You know, at this stage, a few weeks in, 
it doesn't mean anything. Neither of those teams are going anywhere. And if you ask me, do I think the Broncos now have an outside chance of making the playoffs? The simple answer is no. You know, if, if I think they're going to come in, if I just look at the moment with the Raiders, the Colts, um, the Ravens, the Browns, the Dolphins, I mean, there's five teams, all of whom I have, have infinitely better chance. They've better records to begin with, but they've better chances of getting one of the three wild cards. I don't see the Broncos leaping over them. So unless you're taking the Pyrrhic victory of Drew Locke showing his metal when it mattered, which don't get me wrong, is valuable in itself. Is it going to matter in the long run and the bigger picture? No, it's an entertaining game and an entertaining finish, but that's about it. I, I think, before we move on, I think that conversation is probably a week early because they're playing the Falcons this weekend. And if they were to win that and go four and four, you might see. It. I suppose the mindset of the team may change in terms of where they are for the season. Anyway, we'll see. Brian, you've got that, that New York Giants optimism still exuding from you until math, something's mathematically impossible. We're playing the Redskins this weekend. We should be okay. <laughs> Two wins. Anyway. Well, look, I mean, I, I did allude to, you know, there, there were plenty of other games that went on. I did allude to the, the, the Pats game. I don't really want to talk about it, but I know you're probably going to make me talk about it. Um, it's not the losing that kills you. It's the hope that kills you. And... Um, I didn't go into that game with much hope, to be frank, with um, us going into Buffalo, uh, Newton obviously been ineffective, Edelman out, Nikhil Harry out, Gilmore out. Patriots kept it close. They contained Josh Allen. We've got the ball driving down for it. Then you, you, as a fan, of course, you're going through all the emotions. Like, okay, get into field goal range. Like, let's be in a position to take this to overtime. Not only do we get into field goal range, we go well beyond that. So touchdown can win this, right? Let's bring this home. And then... Cam Newton fumbles, Bills recover, kneel out to close out the clock. And nobody's going to feel sorry for me or the Patriots, nor should they. We've had the greatest run known to mankind of all time um, and extremely successful. Everybody wants to stick a fork in Belichick and the Patriots. I get it. But, uh, you know, as a fan, it's it's just awful to, to see and lose a game in that fashion because Newton broke the quarterback's Hippocratic oath. The quarterback's Hippocratic Oath is, first of all, physician, do no harm. First of all, quarterback, do no harm. What does he do? He fumbles the ball in a winning situation. He broke the oath. Yeah, I think the name Justin Zimmer might be as into your brain, and that's sooner than you expected for someone who you probably never heard of. But uh, <laughs> he was the guy who came in from the blind side and got the ball stripped out. And I agree with you, he needed to protect that ball. I was, I was, I was surprised they were... Because the intention on that run is definitely to try to get it into the end zone. So therefore, they're going for the win. I felt at that stage, the way the game was gone, they would have been better served to take that field goal and look for overtime. Yeah, but you can't... 40-odd seconds, 50-odd seconds still on the clock. You can't kneel it out from there. You've got to... We're not necessarily kneel it out, but look, I think to the point you made, you've got to be cautious and make sure you protect the ball. Yeah. But look, uh, congratulations to Sean McDermott and the Bills, obviously the class act in the AFC East this season. Um Sean McDermott now moves to a start sparkling one and six record against Bill Belichick. So I'm sure he's uh, happy with, with that this morning. Um, other teams, you know, playing up their record. I mean, the, the Saints and the Bears, we briefly alluded to, Brian, but, you know, a very competitive game. Um, the Bears really, you know, their defense is the strength of what's holding them together there. Drew Brees' ability to throw the ball deep and, you know, move is still, I'm sorry, in massive question. When you throw a ball 41 times for only 280 yards, everything's short and narrow and 
very dink and dunk. Um, there, there are still big questions there. And the Bears, if they'd had any kind of offensive capability, w- would have, should have won this game. I mean, outside of David Montgomery, they've got a walking statue at uh, a quarterback, basically. Gary, you want that one there? No, not really, because again, I think Falls, <laughs> I think Falls has just proven as in like there's no calls in there. Like, what would happen if Trubisky was there? And it's just like, look, the Bears are the Bears, as in they're just going to struggle big time on offense. Falls isn't who we think he is. He had a great year with the with the Eagles, and I just think the Bears are just in a situation where they're relying too much on defense. But unlike the Steelers, they just don't have it on offense to to help them out at the moment. I think this is the thing that comes away from the game is the same. Kind of conversation that we had, and you just just touched on to mark the inconsistency of Drew Brees, and the Saints are winning games, but they're not convincing. And I picked the Bears last week, and I did say take the Bears plus the four points. And if you went down that road, you're you're a winner. So, look, yeah. the Saints have pulled it out, but I think it's more so they pulled it out because of the points that Gordon has said as well. And you've touched on their offense, the Bears offense is is, a, is not not consistent at the moment. Brian, let me throw a question to the two of you guys. I mean, if you're a Saints fan this morning, are you waking up and saying? Hey, we're five and two, but oh my God, look at how Drew Brees is playing. Or are you waking up and saying, "Hey, we're five and two, and Drew Brees hasn't even started playing yet"? Like, where's your optimism or pessimism in that one? No, I think I think it's that stage of when you get something new and shiny, and you haven't fully tested it out, and you're wondering what the future could hold. But with Brees, he's not new and shiny anymore. He's broken and old, and they're realizing actually he can't do what he used to be able to do, and particularly if it's outside of the dome and not in like, you know, perfect conditions, Drew Brees is going to struggle. So I think you're going, we're five and two, but like, are we five and two and happy? I, I wouldn't be. I, well, I think I'd be concerned. I'm concerned about the future because we know what the Saints are like with their cap hit about budgets, etc. Like, what is the future? Is it Taysom Hill? Like, I, I don't think he's proven it yet. I think uh, this question again, is probably one for next week's show because you're talking about weather outside the dome being nice and sunny. Well, it's a Sunday evening in Tampa Bay next Sunday. The Bucks and the Saints crunch time. And if the Saints have what we what we thought they had at the start of the season, they have to come out and win that game next Sunday because it's it's the big game of the, of the season, potentially, to see who wins that division. And, and the and Saints the Bucks, beat them in week one as well. Sorry, exactly. so the, yeah, yeah, the Bucks need it to, to, to remove that tiebreaker as well. So a lot on the line for both teams. I'm also intrigued by Gordon's description there of he's not new and shiny anymore. He's old and broken, which kind of describes the bell curve of his entire relationships, I think. Uh, so um, good, good to have that one from you, Gordo. Uh, you know, in other news, um, other games like the Falcons won beating the Panthers, the Bengals won beating the Titans. Um, big implications for the Titans, but other than that, for the Falcons, the Bengals, it's just worsening their draft position. Um, more than anything, if we're being utterly cynical about it. The Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes rolled the Jets quite comfortably without getting out of third gear at any point in time. Nice five touchdowns, um, 400-odd yards for Pat Mahomes. Um, And as well as that, I mean, the the Eagles, unsurprisingly, beat the Cowboys. But the other game I wanted to dwell on, Brian, especially with the implications that come afterwards, Seahawks versus the 49ers. Well, the, the aftermath of that is that San Francisco now have clearly given up on the season because uh, Garoppolo has now been put on IR and, and Kittler's, gone, Kittler's also gone for the season. So uh, 
situation there where they're looking ahead. They've already made a couple of trades since then. And uh, so, yeah, I won the game convincingly more comfortably than the, the score does justice for. And yeah, the 49ers came back reasonably well in the fourth quarter, but the game was up from an early, very early stage, which is quite surprising. Makes, I expected a tougher game. It makes uh, it makes Aaron Rodgers' um, next game a, a nice one for him, wouldn't it? Because, like, when you're the 49ers and you're having a season, you're having, yeah, like, Jimmy G is gone. As you say, Kittle is gone. It's just doomsday at the moment in San Francisco. Well, you've got a situation where nine times out of ten, you look at that game coming up towards the night, as you said, Packers against 49ers is one of the, the marquee games of the season, but the way it's gone with the amount of injuries that the 49ers have, it will be uh, should be a reasonably com- comfortable game for the Packers coming towards the night. Well, let's turn our attention to next week then as well. As you said, like the, the Packers 49ers, I think, Brian, you're already picking Packers to win um, with that description. Um, Gordo, can you see any way for the 49ers to overcome the the mash unit they've become? I, I really can't. I think this is, again, after Aaron Rodgers and the performance and I suppose the unlikely win that we saw uh, for the Vikings against the Packers, I think it's every time when, when you upset Rodgers and he's had a poor performance, you expect a, an uplift the week after. So I think this is a, no matter what the line becomes, I think it's a Packers win. I'm with you on that as well. Um, Brian, you also alluded to it earlier, the Giants, um, two games out of the divisional lead now. You're slipping back into the pack at one and seven, or one and six. Um, you're playing the Washington football team. Um, feeling comfortable? Feeling confident? I never feel comfortable anymore. I'm confident with the Giants, but... Um... Like again, I touched on it, put up a really good performance last night, albeit it came out the wrong side of a very close game again. Um, and they do have Washington's number. Um, so, yeah, I will be picking the Giants to win this weekend. There's no betting on it at the moment. Coming off a game just last night, but um, I, I'd expect the Giants to win at the weekend, Jim. Yeah, to be honest, I'm going to go with the Giants against Washington for this game as well. I just... I know there's there's rumours now about Danny Dimes and moving on from him. And is he the actual quarterback for the Giants? But... I just think they have talent. They just, I don't know, yeah. They're just not performing at the moment. Well, I'm going to come out with a bit of a bold prediction because I think, actually, this is the game where they absolutely bounce back. They're 1-7, and seven, sorry, at the moment. So, they're eight, halfway through the season, they're going to bounce back and they're going to finish the season 4-4 four and four, um, and finish a bit more of a respectable 5-11 and 11 record. Who knows? That might still be enough to win the uh, NFC East. Um, that's the quandary we're at now, Mark. We're at that halfway stage or one and seven. What's the right approach here? You know, because if you finish at five and eleven, you're back around the fifth or sixth pick in the draft, and then you're not getting any of those quarterbacks. And Jones last night threw two meaningless interceptions in the in at critical times in the game. And he, he lost he missed three open receivers on on balls that should have been made. So the, the game was there from last night. Well, I, I wanted to say, have you given up on Danny? Have I given up on him? I'm not sure, but I don't know whether. See, I just see that I don't think Gettleman, the general manager, will be there next year. And, and nine times out of ten, a new GM comes in with a new idea. And speculation is already that you might know the name, Mark, but one of your uh, scouting people is, is lined up to be the next GM. And it makes sense because obviously he would have had a working relationship with George and he's going to come in and he's young, he's fresh, he'll have new ideas. And I think they'll be looking at a quarterback in the draft. I'm trying yeah, to move, move Jones. Um was the, the one that's always mooted in that there you go. Don't worry, his name will be well and truly in my brain come the end of the season. Fair enough. No, there was definitely a drive um, in the game on Thursday, uh, on Monday night, actually. Last drive, and you, you got it 
closer. But um, first down, he was lucky it wasn't intercepted. Second down was a sack he need, didn't need, shouldn't have taken. And third down was another near interception. He did get the conversion on fourth down, but I'm kind of going, any one of those first three plays, you need one better than 25%, you know, kind of success rate at that critical time in the game. But it's so. the interceptions and the, and, the, and the, it's more yeah. so the time in the game. They're up by eight points at the start of the second half. They're driving with the ball, throws the interception. And then again, they're up by two, driving for potentially another touchdown to go nine points up and he throws another interception. It's just killers. You can't do it. Anyway, we'll go back to I the picks. You're in pain. You're in pain. I get it. Um, moving on, though, the Ravens versus the Colts. Now, these are two competitive teams, playoff teams. Colts, as I said, bouncing off a couple of good weeks. Ravens going to be licking their wounds after the, the uh, Steelers game. I'll be honest, I still am not sold on the Colts remaining consistent enough. And I do think the Ravens, even though the Colts are a good defense, will run on them quite comfortably. So I'm going to go the Ravens on this uh, game. I will never back all man rivers simple as that I don't care how he performs I won't back him it's the Ravens I think Lamar Jackson puts up a serious performance so yeah I'm going to go with the Ravens for this one yeah I agree with you um, I'd be very confident the Ravens um, I think Jackson will rebound this weekend for a good performance good stuff next game Panthers are playing the Chiefs uh, Ben and Line is established for this one Chiefs are at minus 10 and a half um, for me coming off a very comfortable game against the Jets they don't have to raise their pro get their uh, efforts that much and I'll take the Chiefs with the points as well um to cover quite comfortably still yeah I'm a little unsure I was in the point spread has kind of put me off it a little bit um just because again the Panthers can score and I do think it could be a high scoring game but yeah I'm probably le- I'm leaning towards the Chiefs to win I'm actually going to take the Panthers at plus 10 and a half I'll side with you on this one, Mark. I can see this game being a very comfortable Chiefs win. I think the Panthers came back, progressed a little last week against the Falcons, and I, I would expect the Chiefs to have a, a lot in hands on this game. Yeah, Chiefs to cover. Okay, next game, guys. Um, it's not been a classic year for defenses, you know. Um, the, the, let's be uh, let's be honest about it. Let's be brutally honest. But the next game, the Chicago Bears at the Tennessee Titans, probably features two of the better defenses we've seen in 2020 even though both still do give up their fair share of points um being played in tennessee the titans not surprising given their record although they've had a couple of fallow weeks obviously they lost to the panthers recently um they're a minus five and a half against the bears obviously coming off their close loss against the saints how do you see this one going gordo Again, I think if you're uh, the Bears, you're, you're worried about the Titans, especially after the performance the Titans put in last week and the loss that they had. I'm a little bit fearful for the Titans at the moment with the amount of games that they've had to play, obviously, due to COVID and the lack of breaks. And I think it's affected them. But I think the Titans are going to come back and they're going to roar through this one. I think King Henry's going to have a big game, even with the defense that the Bears has. So I'm going to back the Titans at minus five. I agree, I agree with you, but I think it more so it's down to the fact that, the, as we've discussed earlier, the Bears just can't get anything going on offense, with the exception of one or two drives in the games. And I can see the Titans, who have a very strong defense, the best time as well, winning this game. I think five and a half is quite low. I expect it to be about seven, seven and a half. So, no, I think the, the Titans will win comfortably. Yeah, I'm with you guys. I'm sorry, they lost to the Bengals. It wasn't the Panthers, but um, Joe Burrow did do a number on them this weekend but that's rare enough I, I fully agree Nick Foles uh, is many things uh, but he's certainly at the moment not a Nick, Nick he's not a Joe Burrow he's not a 
Jesus, he's not even a Nick Mullins at this stage. Um, so I, I equally am with you guys. Tannehill and Henry double team show continues on. They'll, they'll easily have a, a touchdown plus victory. Um, we touched on it briefly. I, I'm going to admit I'm surprised by the line personally. Denver Broncos at the Atlanta Falcons and the Falcons are minus four. Um, for a two and six team to be minus four, even though they have been still putting up points, surprises me. They can't defend for Toffee. Um, I'll go first on this one, guys. I'll take the Broncos and the points. I still maintain it's not going to mean anything. They're not going to get the playoffs. But can they beat the Falcons? Straight up even, absolutely. If you're going to give me four points as a bit of margin, happy days. Yeah, I think um, neither team is, you know, really enticing to really back your house on this one. But I'd be with you. I think it is probably the Broncos that plus four. But I also think this is going to be one of my over bets for the weekend because I think this could be, a, as you say, the, the, the poorest Atlanta Falcons defense. I think this could be a high scoring game. Yeah, I'm sticking with the Drew Lock love train. Um, yeah, Broncos plus four points. Yeah, I think the Broncos will win the game. Never mind taking the points. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get a theme tune for you about your Drew Lock love obsession, Brian. Are you right? Um, speaking though of like not trusting anything, if you if you hate yourself, if you if you really want to hurt yourself in some har- harmful you know manner, if you're into sadomasochism, then I'm gonna tip for you this weekend. Put money in some way, shape, or form on the Lions versus the Falcons game. Um, the Vikings, sorry, the Lions, the Lions versus the Vikings game. The Vikings are at minus four. Um, like we said, the Vikings came with a bowl out of the blue last weekend in in many ways. Obviously, changing the, their horrible record from one and six to a match of two and six, um, with the simple theme of just give Dalvin Cook the bloody ball. But you know, I wouldn't trust either of these teams to do anything like put out the dinner, you know, put the rubbish bin away, a- anything. I just do- couldn't trust them. So how you could trust them with your money in one way, shape or form, I really don't know. Guys, how are you losing money on this game this weekend? I think this is one where you just close your eyes and throw a dart at the board like a uh, few. We've had so far. He's in shock. He's in shock. Um, having to pick it. Pick it. Yeah, I'm gonna go with the, the Vikings. I think um, Goro said he's going with the Vikings, but that was after he was throwing the dart at the ball and got electrocuted. I think. So. Yeah, yeah, it sounds a bit like that already. Yeah, I think uh, trainers to the Vikings as bad as they've been, they really should have won in Seattle. Um, they had a very good win last week, so they're definitely due a letdown, aren't they? I'm gonna pick the Vikings. We'll be all wrong next week. Yeah, I, I am going to pick the Vikings. I picked them more in the early part of the season. And I do think they've got a good formula to win, but I don't feel pretty happy in any way comfortable about it. Um, speaking of people not feeling comfortable, if you're a Houston Texans fan, it's been a pretty miserable season so far. Apparently everyone except for four key players are on the uh, trading block, if anybody's interested to buy uh, in the next couple of days. They are <laughs> remarkably a minus six and a half away to the Jags, who, you know, have been surprisingly competitive in games this season. They've, they've certainly been pulling out uh, results or being a lot more competitive. It's all the Minshew magic, Brian. Um, that you'd well, you can forget about the Minshew magic now, Mark, because uh, he's gone. And that's the reason why the line is six and a half points towards Texans, because Jake Luton is starting a quarterback for the Jags this weekend. And obviously, you've done your homework on him. You know how, how good he is coming out of the draft. 
So, yeah, he's a rookie quarterback and he's going to start this weekend. So get your money on the Texans defense for a pick six. And then also get your money on Jake Luton to score touchdowns because that's what rookies do in their first game. They tend to run touchdowns in and everybody's shocked. But no, I think the Texans will win and win this game comfortably. Jeez, Brian, would you save the betting for later on in the episode? Bloody ah. hell. Um, no, yeah, I think I'm the same. I think it's all over. I've never even heard of your man. So, yeah, I, I'm going with the Texans cover this one and uh, a couple of sacks thrown in there as well, no doubt. Well, you've heard of Luton in the UK, so you're halfway there. <laughs> I, I am actually uh, going to go against you guys because I think this season is just painful for the Texans and it's going to get more painful. And this is going to be the nadir of the entire season um i i just don't believe they're going to adapt and they don't know necessarily what to expect from a, a revised offense i'm just gonna go with the rookie because it's just like me you know rolling out there as a young 20 something year old rookie onto the football field thanks for not laughing at that guys um and um yeah I, i'll go with the jags if, if only for the fact that well, i'm getting six and a half points and I really, really don't trust the Texans with much this, these days. And I don't think that they've, they've lived down to expectations so, so well. Uh, I'll back them to keep consistent in their disappointment, shall we say. Um, move on to some more interesting games. And this one is like, you know, I won't say game of the week, but it's certainly up there as a good contender. Uh, the Seahawks giving two and a half points going to the Bills. Right? These are two good teams, two flawed teams, but two very good teams that are definitely making the playoffs. It's a tough one to call, actually. Um, when you've got the Bills having for who are five and two. But I'm going to go with the Seahawks because the Bills, albeit they've won the last few games, they haven't been that impressive. Um, they weren't impressive against the Jets, and they certainly weren't impressive against the Patriots. Expected more from them. Seattle are still rolling. So, no, two and a half points. Um, I can see Seattle at least winning by a field goal. So, Seahawks for me. Yeah, I'm actually um like I've been high in the Bills all season, but I think they've kind of hit some sort of a mid-season slump at the moment. The last two games in particular have been really poor. Um, I don't know what it is, but yeah, I just think the Seahawks at minus two and a half is is too enticing. And yeah, I'm gonna back the Seahawks for this one. Yeah, it's simple enough for me. Seahawks are six and one. Uh, you've let Russ cook after seven games, and you've got 26 passing touchdowns because of it. If Tyler Lockett doesn't blow up for 15 receptions for 200 yards against the Cards, DK Metcalf blows up um, for multiple 100-yard games and looking rather impressive while he does it. Um, I say let Russ continue to cook, and as his magic spell continues to work, the magic wand around Josh Allen, which started so strongly this season, has just been ebbing away a little bit in the last few games. So um, Russ over Josh Seahawks to take this one. Um, the you know it's almost like a battle out west in in many ways the las vegas raiders still not quite matching saying that but the las vegas raiders are going to their old home to play the la Chargers. um obviously being los angeles raiders for many years um charges given a point and a half as i alluded to earlier guys four games in a row blowing 16 plus point leads is this one they can hang on in or does chucky and car um, cause them more pain. I'm surprised by the line. I'm sorry, I'm surprised by the line in this game. I thought the Raiders would have been favourites. The Raiders are getting a point and a half. I just, I don't get that. Coming off a really good win against the Browns and having won some diff- 
you know, really good games earlier in the season and they're going in the right direction. So, no, I'm going to pick the Raiders. I think the Raiders will win the game. So, yeah, give me the point and a half. Yeah, I think Bucky's are a little bit too high on Justin Herbert or something because it's a strange line, to be honest, to be seeing the Chargers' favourites, in particular after the, the last few games. So, yeah, no, I'm going to go with the Raiders and Derek Carr and the guys to, to pull out a win. I, I, I can't get my money on fast enough. Sorry, to be absolutely honest with you. I mean, I like the Chargers. I've said nice things. And I do like Anthony Lee and I do like Justin Herbert. But the Raiders are a decent team this year and they need to keep picking up the wins. And I've got absolute faith in them in this one. Um, and even if you didn't have faith in them, you might have faith that the Chargers will find some way of blowing it anyway. Um, the Miami Dolphins coming off, as I said, a special teams and defense fueled win. Um, Tua going for his uh, first away start now at the Arizona Cardinals. So, Kyler Murray, the future of the NFL from last season, Tua Tuvago, Tua Galova. I'm not going to try and say that too many times. Uh, along with Herbert and Burrow, obviously, the future this season. Certainly, Tua for the tuna um, starts to become a, a, a big theme for the rest of the year and how he performs. Um, does he have a hope going into Arizona or is this a Kyler Murray show? I think this is a Kyler Murray show for this for this game. I think Tua will perform well, but I'm not sure that the Miami Dolphins defense will be able to put two two back-to-back performances in like they did last week. So, you know, with the Cardinals and the offenses, and we've been high on that offense all season so far. Yeah, can't disagree with any of that. Um, this is, won't spoil the fun now shortly when it comes to the bets, but this game for me, I think Tua, well, quickly, if you didn't learn last week, he's in the NFL. You know, you'll know by the end of this game. I think I think the Cardinals will win comfortably. Yeah, my my only fear is some teams have been able to make Kyler Murray very one dimensional, and the games where he's one dimensional, obviously, the Cardinals have significantly struggled. In the games like the Seahawks game, where he's been able to throw effectively, the the cards have looked world beaters. Um, I equally agree. I don't think the the Dolphins are going to get twenty one points basically from. Um, defense and special teams again this is the cards all the way for me um, and quite comfortably Steelers at the Cowboys oh how I wonder Gordo's going on this one can we keep it Do quick we, guys like yeah Steelers like there's no there's no chat here Steelers all the way absolutely Steelers trifecta we don't have a betting line on that one it's probably a good thing for Cowboys fans hearts to be honest um, this to me is the game of the week though Sunday night football, Saints at the Bucks. We gave it a bit of a build-up earlier. Obviously, for week one, Saints won. Bucks need to get that win back. It's for control of the NFC South. Um, Brian, there's no line at the moment because the Bucks paid, played last night and Brady's still trying to sync with other um, targets with Howard out for the season. Chris Goodwin out at the moment. But Drew Brees, Brady, the old timers, and neither of them looking perfect, shall we say. From a betting perspective, I guess that the Bucks will start as a field goal favorite, three points. I'm going to pick the Bucks. Not convinced by the Saints. Haven't been all season. Keep talking about how Breeze just doesn't look the quarterback that we expected to see. Today he's catching up on him. I think Brady has more weapons who are playing well at the moment rather than the Saints. So we yeah, ask the Bucks for me. I think when your running back is your top receiver, um, you know he can only be one position really throughout the game. So I think that's one of the main issues for the Saints. And I don't think Michael Thomas is due back. I'm not sure what the status on him is. But yeah, I think the Brady, the Gronk, everything, they're all performing well at the moment. Uh, a little bit slower than you'd want, but I think Brady will put out this game. 
Uh, yeah, the, to me, this isn't even Brady versus Breeze. This is Devin White versus Alvin Kamara. That's where this entire game really is going to boil down. That's a great. That's a great call. That's a great, great call. Um, and Devin White to me has looked like the fastest defender in the NFL all season long. And I rank, you know, I, I give him a chance to at least go to a draw with Kamara. And if it's a draw with Kamara, the Bucks will win. I'll take the Bucks. If Devin White sees a gap like he did for Danny Dimes, I've never seen someone run through one so quick. Yeah, it's, it's it could be a it could be a tough evening for Drew Brees. And then, of course, guys, we'll all be staying up for this one. You know, we talked earlier in the season about how Monday Night Football have had some great games this year, um, kind of uh, throwback almost to the way things used to be. And maybe even at the start of this season, they had dreams on, hey, two big TV markets. We have the Boston TV market, New York TV market, Patriots versus the Jets, AFC rivalry. Who knows? Maybe it's even going to be for the division lead at this point, or they're both going to be in playoff contention. Um, you know, I'm going to have to talk myself into actually staying up for this one, even and not catching it at like five, six o'clock in the morning. It's the Patriots at the Jets. Um, I can't believe we're here. I can't believe I'm this depressed about it. Patriots are giving seven points, and it's probably the Jets are looking at this again. This could be an opportunity for us to actually win a game. So. Please, someone else talk about this game, because I really don't want to. You're picking the Jets? No, I'm not. <laughs> Dave, the ESPN would have had two Monday night games in a row in, in MetLife stage, and I don't think they're going to get a game as exciting as last night. Um, no, I think the Patriots will win. I think Cam will run all over them. Um, and not fun, but at this time around, um, they'll cover seven points, yeah. I'm happy to take the Patriots at seven points against the Jets. Yeah, easy for me. I think it says it all about the New England Patriots season when they're only minus seven against uh, possibly one of the worst teams to, to exist in the NFL. So I think that says it all for your Pats, uh, Mark. But yeah, I'm going to go with the, the Pats to cover the minus seven in this one. I really do hope the Jets get a win, uh, fairness. I really do. But not this week, Brian. Uh, they can take that win whenever they want, Mark. If it means they're not getting the number one pick and Mr. Lawrence is in, isn't going to them. Although he might do an Eli on it, we'll see. Yeah, I look, obviously, guys, I'm going to pick my Patriots to roll back to three and five. And uh, the comeback starts here. Um, that being said, Brian, I know we touched on a couple of bets there. Maybe I'll flip it over to you and Gordo. Take us through some of the bets of the week. Yep, this week again on the Irish NFL podcast, we're at our weekly betting um, segment brought to you by horseracingbuddy.ie so you'll find all of brian's tips and tricks on their facebook and twitter social media channels and we'll also share them across our own so i suppose first one brian give us the banker what's yeah. this week's one well we had a we had a very disappointing weekend our good run has come come to an end but i'm not i'm not giving up on the titans just yet so i think that line is quite low titans five and a half against the bears i think the titans will win and cover very surprised that the Raiders are getting points. So I'm putting the Raiders in a plus one and a half at the Chargers. And despite what Mark thinks, um, I do see the Texans ripping her up against the Jags, especially with Mr. Luton as quarterback for the Jags having a very bad day. And I take the Texans to cover the six and a half. So Titans minus five and a half, Raiders plus one and a half, and the Texans minus six and a half. Treble. Okay, perfect. Yeah, I think, um, as you say, we are looking for a resurgence this week uh, on the betting side. Everyone's due a tough week, Brian. So look, you're, you're, you're forgiven for it to date. You've had a good good run of it. And in particular, on the next side of the betting, the touchdowns and your quarterback bets. So give us the quarterback bets for this week. Quarterback bet will be a double. It should be Kyler Murray to run one in against the Dolphins. And Cam, if you can hang around and be patient away from Monday night, Cam to score any time against the Jets. 
and the banker bet, which I didn't touch on, is the Cardinals. There's no line available at the moment. I expected to start around six and a half, and I think the Cardinals will win and cover that handicap. So that will be the nap of the week, the Cardinals to beat the Dolphins. Okay, interesting. So as you say, we have our banker, our treble, and then our touchdown double bet as well for this week. Brought to you by horseracingbuddy.ie. So again, look on their social media channels and you will find all of this week this week's picks up there. Uh, and then also follow us on our own Twitter and Facebook channels. But uh, that's our weekly betting segment. Over to you, Mark. Yeah, guys, look, we're just about the halfway season. Most teams have played eight games, so we're there or thereabouts. The rises and the, the, the jumpers and fallers have already been established in many uh, states. And we will have a surprise or two. Someone we expect to make the playoffs is going to fall away in the second half. Someone we don't expect is going to come back to fruition. But I tell you one thing, I don't think it's going to be the Pats this year, guys, to say the least. Um, been a pleasure as always, gentlemen. Gordo, uh, your Steelers stay perfect and stay at the top. But don't think they're going to stay there either. But that's what it's all about, is to wait and see and look forward to next week's action. Until then, uh, it's goodbye from me. Goodbye. 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 Thank you. Take it easy, bye.